towards zero. My name's Julia Horton and I'll be hosting this podcast for Zero Waste Scotland. As our name suggests, we're here to help Scotland become a place where nothing is wasted. That matters because the single greatest cause of the climate crisis is the emissions created by everything we produce, consume and too often bin after just one use. We can all help to change that though by doing things differently to make things last longer. Eradicating waste doesn't just help end the climate crisis. It also helps to create much needed sustainable jobs as we build back better to overcome COVID and save the planet too. Each episode will feature a range of our experts and our diverse mix of guests sharing interesting stories, information and ideas on how we can all waste less and do more. The first three episodes look at the future, starting with the future of food. The future of food's fascinating. Farming insects might sound comical, a bit like herding cats, but we need to do things differently to overcome COVID and the climate crisis. Insect farming is a serious business opportunity for creating sustainable jobs and food supply, which Scotland needs as we build back better. And the man who probably knows more than anyone in the country about insect farming is William Clark, Zero Waste Scotland's bioeconomy expert. Welcome to the Towards Zero podcast, William. Hi, Julia. Hello. So, can you tell us why we should be farming insects in Scotland? Great question, Julia. So, producing enough food to feed the world is one of the key causes of the climate crisis. Part of that problem is that about 1.3 billion tonnes of food is wasted globally each year. That causes around 10% of the global carbon emissions. Wow. So we need to find more sustainable ways to produce food without destroying the planet. The beautiful thing about insects is that they're detritivores, so they naturally eat what we might think of as rubbish and turn it into a high-quality, low-carbon protein. And it's not just about feeding animals the manure, uh, which is called frass which they produce after eating their food waste, also makes an excellent fertiliser. So in addition to feeding the animals, they essentially fuel the next crops coming through too. So insect farming really is a win-win-win. Right. Uh, well, that certainly sounds like a really strong case, William. Um, it's pretty hard to picture an insect farm, though, I think. Um, can you tell us what kind of insects we're talking about here and, and what you need to farm them? Yeah. yeah. Um, so the, the main insect we're talking about today is a black soldier fly because they love the food. It's a natural thing for them to do. We're not putting them in a, a situation where they wouldn't want to be. Uh, they eat twice their body weight every day. They grow to 10,000 times their size in two weeks. Um, so they really are a perfect solution to the, the waste problem. And in terms of what the farms look like, um, what, what kind of scale are we, are we talking about there? What's the mix? Uh, so the, there's a, a really wide range of insect farms uh, going from super low-tech to ultra-modern. Uh, a very basic level, all you really need is some containers to house them, some food waste to feed them, and, and the insect larvae, of course. Uh, smaller farms tend to look a bit like, um, almost like a food caddy, um, while larger ones are like filing cabinets stacked up with trays, um, with each tray essentially representing a field. Um, then you move to the, the, the most advanced facilities are, are run like robots and look like a bit like a spaceship. Um, you can set anywhere, really. 
uh, increasingly from the corner of your kitchen to a small shed. Uh, bigger commercial operations are uh, huge warehouses, and we're seeing them increasing in size all the time. But we're also seeing traditional farmers moving into the space across the EU as a way to capture more value on farms so they can use their own waste to to produce their own protein for their animals and fertilizers again. Um, but at the same time, it lets them diversify their business models. So it sounds like a real variety of ways that people get involved in that. Um, in terms of how you actually farm an insect, though, um, again, that, that seems kind of hard to conjure to mind. Can you explain what you need to do? So the insects have tiny mouths, um, much smaller than ours, obviously. So you, you need to break up the food waste for them. Um, you can use waste crops and vegetables such as potato or berries, uh, other food waste such as breads, cakes, milks, butter, and even honey. You have to work out how much they eat is the same as us and our pets. You need to give them a certain amount every day to keep them healthy and happy, of course. Um, so you generally feed them two or three times a day, but as many times as they'll take them. After about two weeks of looking after them and feeding them, the insects are ready to harvest. Okay, well, that sounds pretty speedy. Um... And in terms of um, harvesting them, again, it's kind of hard to picture that compared to, say, a traditional harvest we might see out, you know, at the end of the summer. Um, how do you harvest them? Uh, it, it depends entirely on the size of the farm. Um, for the less developed ones, the insects almost harvest themselves. So you would be using food waste in uh, the developed world somewhere to feed directly to your chickens. So it's an on-farm, works for everybody, really beautiful technology. Um, but the larger scale, you, you essentially sieve the fat and larvae out to separate them from the frass. I should probably mention that it's only the larvae that are farmed, so there's never a risk of them escaping and becoming a pest. Um, they come from South America. Even if they did, they wouldn't survive in the Scottish climate. When they do maturity, the adults don't eat as they don't have a true stomach, so they have no interest in food for humans. They don't pass on pathogens. So they really are a perfect solution for, for, for Scotland. Yeah. Wow. No, they sound like really intriguing creatures. Um, we've actually posted some pictures on our website for anyone listening who's curious to see what they look like as well, along with some of the insect farms around the world. Um, so I think people could probably relate to what you said um, and what we've been talking about earlier about how disconnected we've become from the natural world um, and the need to change the way we produce and consume our food. Do you think are we going to see Scottish farmed insects on our supermarket shelves anytime soon? That's a really good question, Julia. Um, I think we need to remember that insects have been part of the human diet for tens of thousands of years. Uh, maybe not here, but in places like Asia and Africa, they're very much still part of people's diet, and insect farms are well established there. The European Union has just really recently approved insects as a novel food. Because of that, we will be seeing increasing numbers of products like breads and pastas, which include insect protein, coming into the market. Um, I have tried them, I have enjoyed them. However, while insects can be food for people, at zero waste we see their value primarily as a more sustainable feed for other farmed animals, such as fish, salmon and chickens. Um, they're both carnivorous uh, and insects are very, very much part of the natural diet. Thank you for explaining you know, how insect farming could play a big role in the future of food in Scotland as, as we build back better. And thanks for joining us today.
explain Zero Waste Scotland's Seed Insect Farming is an innovative way to help end the climate crisis in Scotland. But what do supermarkets think? As the UK's largest retailer, Tesco is a household name. Many shoppers will know its slogan, Every Little Helps, and more recently, maybe the food love stories as well. Um, but few will be aware that as part of its growing work to increase sustainability of our weekly shop, Tesco is also into insect farming. We're now joined by Lawrence Webb, Responsible Sourcing Manager at Tesco, to explain what the supermarket's doing. Hi, Lawrence, and welcome to Towards Zero podcast. Hi there, good to be with you today. <laughs> you too, thank you. So why is Tesco interested in insect farming? So our team looks at the environmental impacts in our supply chain. And some of the biggest impacts that we see are in relation to animal feed, in particular with two ingredients. One, soy, which is grown in, largely grown in South America and fed to a, a range of species. And then also fish meal, which, which largely goes into uh, salmon diets. And both those ingredients have a range of environmental challenges with them. And so we've been for a number of years looking at alternatives to those two ingredients. And insects seem to be one of the most promising alternatives uh, that exist, uh, partly because they can also help reduce the uh, issues that we all have with uh, various waste streams. And can you give an example of what Tesco is doing specifically with organisations like our own um, and who else you're working with on this? Yeah, so there's two key pieces of work that I'd mention. One is around uh, working with the World Wildlife Fund to create a roadmap that will chart out how do we as an industry scale up insect protein so that it can be a commercially viable animal feed ingredient. At the moment, the, the two ingredients I mentioned previously, soya and, and fish meal, are very established and insect protein is a very small industry and growing so we need to understand what it's going to take to get it from being a small startup industry into a mainstream industry so that's one piece of work we're doing and then the other piece is is um, a project along with Zero Waste Scotland and other actors in industry to to support the construction of the UK's first large-scale insect production facility uh, that's a, a company called or a startup called EnterCycle and we're supporting them in terms of connecting them with our suppliers who might have available food waste that the insects can use uh, can eat, uh, but also connecting EnterCycle with suppliers who could then use the insect protein in animal feed, such as salmon. Okay, um, and, and how's that going so far? I mean, some of our li listeners might have heard recently stories about this, um, what would be, I think, the UK's first large-scale insect farm as and when that happens. Um, do, do you think your shoppers will see anything different on the shelves anytime soon? So it's early days in terms of this project. It's only just kicking off. But some of our suppliers have incorporated uh, small quantities of insect protein into animal feed diets in the past. And that, that has worked well in terms of there have been no impacts on, on fish welfare. There's been no impacts on the quality of the product. And we've actually been able to, to sell that as normal. Uh, so in that sense, the ingredient seems to be a very promising alternative for the future. So sorry, when you say you, you've been able to sell it as normal, does that mean it's already in some of the products that people are buying? It, it has been. A, yes, it's not been something that we've specifically called out. Um, but um, in terms of it's been something that we've been able to, um, yeah, to bring through the supply chain working in yeah. partnership with some of our suppliers. 
Oh, well, that's interesting. Um, I guess, you know, few people would be unaware of the growing demand from consumers um, for supermarkets and other shops these days to do their bit to help end the climate crisis. Um, there's been lots of announcements recently from all kinds of um, supermarkets, including Tesco's. Um, can you tell us a bit about what the challenges are for a business like Tesco in doing that, though? Yeah, sure. So the, in, the work we're doing on insert protein is just one part of a much bigger initiative. Uh, which we committed to with WWF uh, about two years ago. Uh, namely, we want to reduce the environmental impact of an average UK shopping basket by half. Uh, and a lot of that will be about reducing emissions in our supply chain, for example, from agriculture. We know that's a really big challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, but also processing and manufacturing sites in our supply chain, uh, as well as other places where emissions arise. But again, emissions and climate change isn't the only issue we face in the food system. There's others such as the, the land change, uh, deforestation issues we face with, with ingredients like soya, uh, but also the marine sustainability issues and, of course, packaging and food waste. Uh, and crucially, consumer diets, because we can only do so much in terms of reducing the environmental impacts in our supply chain. At the end of the day, one of the most important things is about what does the customer choose to put in their basket when they're in the shop uh, and, that, and that one of the reasons um, is we uh, we committed to selling more plant-based proteins over the coming years yes yeah yeah no, I, I saw that um it's in, in terms of um the um the, the future for, for what else you're doing the the key pledge there um is obviously a, a strong one you know halving the environmental impact of the average uk shopping basket are there other things that you're, you're doing or are hoping to do that, that will help with that as well with, with the, com the commitment really covers all of the different environmental sustainability issues that we're working on so everything we're doing in terms of trying to reduce the amount of uh, plastic packaging that we that we um, put out on our products, all of the work we're doing to reduce the food waste in our own stores and operations, uh, and all of the work we're doing um, on, on a range of products in terms of uh, greenhouse gas emissions, uh, food waste at farm level, all of that work adds up to contribute to halving the environmental impact of an average basket. Okay, thanks very much. It sounds like there's um, some complex issues there and a whole load of different things um, that can be done to, you know, to help move us all forwards to, um, to making 21st century shopping more sustainable. Um, thanks very much for outlining what Tesco is doing, Lawrence, and look forward to hopefully having you back on the Towards Zero podcast and teach to hear more about the problems and solutions as we all move forward on that. Thank you very much. in improving the way we produce and consume food to help save the planet. But we're all in this together. Some of the key service which, services which Zero Waste Scotland provides help small and medium-sized businesses to waste less and find innovative ways to become more sustainable. At the Bowhouse Food Market in Fife, a food waste audit by our experts last year showed traders how much good quality produce was being wasted and work out what they could do differently to stop that. Bowhouse Market and Events Manager Rosie Jack joins us now to tell their story. Welcome to the Towards Zero podcast, Rosie. Hello, how are you all? Good, thank you. Yeah, it's good to have you with us. Um, so I mentioned there the audit that we did last year at Bow House. Um, do you remember what your reaction was when you learned about the amount of food being wasted? 
It was really interesting, actually. I remember um, when, when we got the data back, we were actually quite shocked at how much energy was being wasted, how much amazing produce was being wasted um, in lots of different ways from the traders' tasters um, that at the end of the market, they just kind of had to be thrown in the bin because they've they been sitting out most of the day um, to, you know, the coffee grinds or, you know, excess water from the coffees and things. So it was quite shocking. And I remember finding out the energy. It was the energy that really caught me, the waste of that energy um, that we realised that we really had yeah. to sort of tell our traders what they were wasting and what we were wasting yeah yeah so I guess that until you have that information you perhaps just don't know you know what what is being wasted like you say um and and what happened next well we when we got all this information we were like I said quite alarmed and uh, we went back to the traders and it actually gave us having that data and having this information and it was actually broke down really well so it was sort of things like you could fly to London and back on the waste that was wow. created in these two days. And um, so having that kind of information and really simple format of explaining the waste, we then went to our traders and said, hey, guys, look, look at all this, you know, energy that we're losing. What would be useful for you as a business to find out how you can reduce your waste? You know, even if you're not coming to the market weekends, how can you reduce your waste at your factory or at your production site before it even comes to Bowhouse? Um, so it really just started a conversation, really, and got our customers and traders thinking about it, yeah. Yeah, and that what you say about that conversation, that's so important, isn't it? You know, about actually talking to people about, one, the problem, and two, how to solve it, and that you know, that's different for different people. Um, I suppose moving on now, obviously, we're, you know, towards the end of 2020, which is brought covid um what's what impact has that had on on you there i mean i mean it's been a crazy year i don't think when i was sitting at the end of last year planning 2020 what's happened is not not what i really expect i think i looked back recently on our events calendar that was meant to be 2020 and it was a bit, bit of a blue moment um so obviously when when lockdown happened back in march we all of our market events for the majority of the summer were then cancelled. Um, but the market events are really just one part of what we do at Bowhouse. There's over seven food and drink businesses based under the roof of Bowhouse, and they're really at the heart of what we do as a food hub. So all of these producers had all this amazing produce that was either already in the fields growing or already been brewed or already, you know, cattle had been sent to slaughter and all this amazing produce was ready to go and ready to be sold at the market weekends or wholesale. So we couldn't just stop. We couldn't just not have the market weekends. So it's amazing by stopping how quickly we were able to react. So we set up this online click and collect um, system. So it's basically an online market. So it's a weekly market where people, our customers can log on, the traders can upload their stock um, to what they have that week. The customers then shop for a couple of days and then my team collate it and we pick and pack the orders and then we distribute it. So this is a weekly connection straight to the produce and it allowed us to keep that connection going it's been a real learning curve we we when we started it went mental i think we're up to 1600 orders since um and that's boxes going out the door since sort of middle of april and um, so we're really pleased with how it's been received 
we've had customers say that they have not been to a supermarket since March. They've just been shopping through Bowhouse Link. And that is music to my ears. If we can keep our producers going and having a bit of a lifeline to connect our consumers, it's it's been great in that sense. Yeah, no, I mean, that, that all sounds really positive. Um, and like you say, obviously, you know, very important to help keep people trading um, and, and keep um, keep businesses going. And in terms of waste, what's the kind of biggest impact that you've noticed there on, on how you've changed how you would normally have operated? It's, it's actually been amazing. So obviously, because the way the site works is the traders upload the stock that they have. So they might say, OK, I've got 10 cabbages this week. I'll upload those 10 cabbages. And then the customers can shop from that stock. Um, and then once, the, once we know what the orders are for that week, we send the information to the traders and they say, OK, I've only sold five cabbages. So they'll only harvest five cabbages. So it's not like they've cut, they've harvested that stock, they've come to the market stall and they might not sell all of those cabbages. So at the end of the day, when we walk away from picking and packing on a Saturday, the, on a Saturday morning, the stall, the, all the stalls are full of produce, my team's picking and packing. And then at the end of the Saturday afternoon, we walk away and everything's gone out to customers. There's virtually zero waste. In, in terms of um, moving ahead now, we're all looking to, you know, the future, you know, and you know, this podcast is about the future of food. Um, in terms of Bowhouse there, are you planning on keeping Bowhouse Link going? We would love to. You know, last year we were really well known for our market weekends, which is amazing. We have great footfall, amazing traders that come to our market weekends. But, you know, we're, we're here all the time and we're producing all the time. So Bowhouse Link has changed people's view on us and we I think we're now more seen as a food hub and a place to connect people to their local produce and um, so yes we really want to see the Bowhouse link continue and um, keep that keep that um, connection going on a more regular basis. Absolutely. Um, well, that sounds like a like a great future from from yeah a difficult year um, as as we've been seeing and hearing for for everybody. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm feeling positive about it. So positivity. <laughs> so from five food markets to insect farming, we've heard how Scotland is moving towards zero waste by producing and consuming foods in ways which don't cost the earth. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If you have, please share it so more people can do more differently to waste less and help end the climate crisis. You can also visit our website to read William Clark's report on the future of food. For more ideas and information on how to waste less and do more to help end the climate crisis, tune in next time when we'll be talking about the future of home. Thank you. Bye-bye.